Mino Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. The beauty of the spa world is that we don't need to modernize it anymore. Like as far as innovation goes, so much has been innovated already. Like it, it's actually really funny. A lot of these like newer technologies, I'm like my mom used to do that in her spot in the 80s. Now it just has infrared in it. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Kendra Bracken Ferguson and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Cindy Ramirez Fulton, founder and CEO of Chill House. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and your reviews and ratings mean so much to us. All right, everyone. Cindy Ramirez Fulton is an award-winning entrepreneur and second-generation Colombian-American who grew up watching her mother cater to clients in her cosmetology spas in Queens, New York. Many years later, she would reflect on that experience to launch a new self-care movement. Born and raised in New York City, Ramirez Fulton made a name for herself in the lifestyle, fashion, and hospitality industries, including the renowned Garrett Bar, while also launching the website Taste the Style. After recognizing the lack of affordable, aspirational spa services in New York, Cindy, along with her husband and a team of partners, opened Chill House with the goal to modernize the spa industry and become an authority in self-care. Cindy has been honored on several CEO lists, including Create and Cultivate 100 list, Women Wear Daily's 40 of Tomorrow, Nylon's 2018 Inventor of the Year, Guest of a Guest 20 Hottest CEOs of 2018. She has appeared in advertising and influencer campaigns with Nike and Fossil, amongst so many others. Additionally, Cindy has been featured in top-tier publications such as Vogue, Allure, Forbes, CNN, Women's Wear Daily, and more. Cindy, welcome to Business of the Beat. Thanks for having me, Kendra. Oh my gosh, I am so honored to have you here. You are just an inspiration, a light. You are back from maternity leave and you chose to come to the show. So I'm so happy. Thank you, Noah. It it was a long time in the making. I feel like we met sometime over the summer, right? Yes, I think at the beginning. Well, I mean, you did have an entire human, so. Yeah, but. But seriously, congratulations. It is such an amazing, I say, um, and uh, you know, let's be honest, motherhood is not for everyone and that's fine. For those of us who have been able to enjoy it, it is such a gift, a humbling gift and a beautiful gift, like all wrapped in one. Yeah, no, it really, really is. And I think um, for me, I didn't even know I wanted one, you know, a few years ago. And then I had the one and then I thought I was happy with the one. And then you know, my husband was like, we need the whole family. And I was like, I mean, if I am blessed enough to be able to carry and, you know, provide like, let's go for it. I never really had a sibling 
I have half sisters, but I didn't grow up with them because my mom mostly raised me. So I didn't have a sibling. And I think, you know, being able to give that to Hendrix was something that obviously made a lot of sense. So we just went for it. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> hard pregnancy-ish, like hard labor, all of that aside, it's it's so worth it when they come into the world and you immediately realize how much you actually wanted it all along, you know? So she's amazing. Um, I'm not fully recovered yet, but I'm like on the mend and it's like, you know, it's finally starting to feel real, you know, like now, Mm -hmm. like life has its new chapter and like we're, we're in it and we're living it. So it's wild to be like, there's so much anticipation, I guess is what I meant to say. It's like, there's so much anticipation for this thing that you don't know what to expect. And then they're here and then you're just in it. Well, and you've shared, I mean, it's such um, an interesting intersection for you because even when we think about Chill House from a professional perspective and how you help so many people from a mental, emotional well-being, and then even talking about going through this experience and having a child, it is life-altering to our bodies. And you've shared about, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm using. I'm starting to feel kind of like myself. And you, you went through... I I had a different type of a childbirth in terms of I didn't have a C-section. And I know that even just that we're already going through trauma and then to have a C-section on top of it, there's so many different pieces to that. And it's interesting because so much of it, or for me, I felt like was the mental piece. Like we read so many things when we're pregnant and we're going through this experience. And even though you've had one, you know, I have one. The second one I've heard is is a little different and a different experience, and we're a different age and all these things. Yeah, we we get a little older, and then we, you know, we're trying to compare those experiences of the first child with the second. And I'm like, wait, I'm like three years older than when I had Hendrix, four years older from the pregnancy. You know, so it's kind of crazy to think of, you know, that it's going to be the same or that it's going to be easier in some way when our bodies are also aging and have gone through changes too, and gone through a lot of trauma from the first. So yeah, I was not prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Just from a mental perspective, I think it's really fascinating. And I want to like dive in because there's the mental piece of everything that we do as entrepreneurs, founders, moms, wives, friends, and then there's this physical piece. And so even in the correlation of the, you know, four years in between, we had physical things, but then mentally we grow, we accomplish different things. And so we're always in a, I think like an evolving mindset of what our lives are going to be. So for you, when you think about like your background, your experience, I love to just like start with how are you handling the mental versus the physical of being an entrepreneur, a mom, a wife, and going kind of, as you said, into this new chapter? That's a great question. I think, um, you know, they always say the time is never really right. You just have to go for it. And I feel that I've just had to really adopt that mentality as much as I can and realize that I've done as much as I can to prepare myself or the people around me my partner, whomever those like the the real, you know, immediate people in my life are um, for these changes and to feel okay with knowing that there is a support system there that if I have to, you know, take 
some time if I have to really kind of like mentally shut off for a little bit, nothing's going to fall apart, right? There's been years of me being able to go on maternity leave in the making, right? Like years <laughs> of building good infrastructure, um, months of preparing within the household. You know, I think all of it is preparation, but also knowing that even if you're not prepared, the world is going to go on as it should and it's it's all going to be okay, right? To some degree. So not beating yourself up if you're not fully prepared because, you know, you can prepare for so much, but then you may not be prepared for other stuff, which is I think what happened with me and my recovery a little bit. And I think that that's the mentality I've had to kind of go into all of this with, you know, with parenthood, with even just the layers of entrepreneurship, the stressful mm-hmm. side of it, the financial side of it, the the growing, you know, pains that come with all the success stories, but then also come with a lot of headaches attached to it. Um, it, it really is all about just, you know, letting everything sort of take its course and preparing as best as you can. And then knowing that the outcome is going to be, you know, what is intended for you. And I think that is like, the biggest mental practice that I try to have on just like an ongoing basis, right? And luckily, I do anytime I feel myself falling apart mentally, I have a really amazing husband that kind of helps me get things back on track and vice versa, right? I I think it's really important to have a good partner that, um, you know, is the yin to your yang. Anytime you're going through anxieties, they're really good at pulling you out of it and then vice versa, you know? And I have that. I have that infrastructure. I have that um, really great support system with him, but then also, you know, my kids' caretakers, right? All these different little pieces I've had to be very strategic about in a way, right? Like I know myself, I know to what degree I can handle certain like life's problems. I know how I handle them and I know which ones I handle well. I know which ones I don't handle as well. So I think for all those, like really knowing that about yourself allows you to create a good network for yourself, a good support system for yourself, which I think I always pride myself. And I think building a good team and a good, you know, group of people around me to help kind of build me up, chill house, my family, my friends. And so I think that's, that's my biggest sort of secret sauce. Well, and I appreciate you sharing that because we all think about, you know, who are we? What are we good at? What are we not good at? And then what do we need to kind of be our the best version of ourselves? And so much of that comes from the mental practice, but just the people that we keep around us. And I love how you said, like, you know, I'm going to prepare as best I can. And then I have to be okay with the fact that I've done my best. And it's going to be what it's going to be. And I kind of have to lean into it. And I think as entrepreneurs, it, it really is. It's that support system that we can lean on. And they say in business, the hardest part is the people. It all, <laughs> you either have the good people, you the don't best, have the good people. The best part and the worst, right? <laughs> yes. It can tear you down or they can build you up. Um, and you have to choose wisely. And sometimes you don't. And that could also bite you in the ass, right? Yeah. It's the nature of business. You know, it's like rolling with the punches. And I want to take a step back because I love your energy and you're so grounded. Talk a little bit about your background and just, it it takes so much to have the calmness when it seems and the stillness that you have. But like, tell me everything like about your background. 
Oof. Okay. Also, likewise, um, I love your energy and your smile and everything about you so far. (laughs) Um, But my background, so I guess I could take it as far back as like just growing up. Um, I'm second generation Colombian American, I guess. My mom came here from, my parents came here from Colombia, landed in Jackson Heights and Queens. Um, So I grew up in New York my whole life, pretty much. Now I'm splitting time between Miami and New York, but um, pride myself in being a New Yorker. So growing up, I think, you know, it was really interesting because um, I had this perspective of being a New Yorker, this identity with it. Um, I moved to Manhattan at a really young age when I was 17 years old. So I had this like other sort of layer of, you know, being in in New York City, like lifestyle um, at a really young age and, and kind of maturing in my own way, kind of fast because of it. Um, I worked in, I did a few jobs when I was young. I was a child actor and model um, <laughs> when I was really, really young. And then I realized I, I wasn't really talented. So I kind of <laughs> was there real quick. Um, and I ended up in hospitality for quite some time. Um, so much so that it kind of ended up taking over like just my entire life. I I worked in it, you know, as a full-time job for quite some time and then didn't really have a good path for a career as a result. Um, I went to a fashion college, which, you know, was fun, but I kind of through internships realized I didn't really like being in a corporate environment. It just wasn't for me. Like it just wasn't my personality to, you know, wake up early, you know, fetch coffee for the boss. Like I just, I didn't like it. I was never good at um, handling authority, I'd say. And I kind of realized that, you know, when I was in college. So as a result, I ended up dropping out and stayed in hospitality until basically my mid twenties or so um, when I found a really interesting internship where I can apply myself and learn really from the founder um, and from the ground up. It was a startup. So that really appealed to me, this idea of like learning from an entrepreneur directly, being a part of the whole um, founder experience, you know, being so connected to it. And then, yeah, I did that job for about two or three years and ended up leaving that and immediately sort of fell into entrepreneurship. So I, I went from kind of, having no direction to having a really amazing job that was an internship turned into like, you know, really great role that allowed me to see all facets of entrepreneurship. And then from there, just dove right into entrepreneurship, just never looked back. I had a couple of really, really shitty interviews that just, I was like, I can't do this. I, I only had that one career corporate job because I was so close with the founder. I'm actually having dinner with her tonight. And because, you know, she was my mentor, but I didn't really feel like I could get that at a big corporate brand or, you know, an agency where I'm kind of just like, you know, part of the hundreds of people that are there. So that's it in a nutshell. I founded an agency at one point and then a skincare product at another point and then a blog and then chill house eventually. And then here we are. I love, I'm just like smiling because I love all the different steps. It's like when you go through that experience and you're working so closely with an entrepreneur and you like feel it 
and you're like, I went from no direction to direction. And then I started all of these different things. And it's the journey of starting and creating. And like everything we start isn't going to be successful, but it's about the fact that we started it. We took the initiative, we learned from it as we figure out what's going to be that sustainable thing. And it's so funny to hear you say, I went from someone with no direction to now having this amazing company. I mean, you were Women Wear Dailies. 40 of tomorrow. You are Nylon's 2018 inventor of the year. You've been in Allure, Vogue, Forbes, CNN. I mean, across the board. So it's so funny when we think about all of the steps to get to the accolades that we have. And I want to talk about Chill House because it's fantastic. So you're creating these businesses and then you get to Chill House. What was that moment like? Yeah. So one fact that I guess I forgot to mention, you know, about my background is that my mom's an esthetician. So I grew up in the spa world at a really young age. I was in the room with her, like, you know, when she didn't have someone taking care of me, I would literally be sitting there and like hanging out with the clients and like talking about their nail colors, apparently when I was like five or six years old, <laughs> like, you're obsessed with polish. You ask them about, you know, why they chose that color. Like it, it's, you know, I think there was always something in me that was destined to end up in beauty. And for some reason in my 20s, I didn't really think about beauty. But eventually, it all kind of, I don't know, it was like this big, perfect storm of ideas and kind of realizing what was missing and, and realizing what was meant for me to kind of bring my my flavor into this space. And that's kind of how it all came together. But it was kind of, you know, just a day of realizing, wow, New York specifically didn't have a good affordable place to go grab a massage. It was either you, you know, have to spend 200 plus on a massage or the other option was you were, you know, going into an establishment that had questionable sort of moral ethics based on their price point. And, you know, there wasn't something that sat really nicely in the middle and it spawned this sort of conversation about just like modernizing the spa industry as a whole, it, you know, up until Chill House, it felt like it was either very luxurious experience, or it was a very clinical medical sort of industry. And there was no one really making kind of like millennializing in a way, right? The spa world. Um, so that's sort of what we did. And we we made it really fun and cheeky without having any sort of direct innovation with the services. Because what I think what it, the beauty of the spa world is that we don't need to modernize it anymore. Like as far as innovation goes, so much has been innovated already. Like it, it's actually really funny. A lot of these like newer technologies, I'm like, my mom used to do that in her spot in the eighties. Now it just has infrared in it. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, there, like there's, I'm sure there's still so much innovation to be done, but it's still all a play on things that have already been out since the seventies, eighties, you know, nineties. Um, and so I, I think, you know, our, our mix of services or sweeter services are very standard, like they're tried and true mm -hmm. and they do the job and they're the things that you always go back to. We started off with just, uh, nail art, manicures and, uh, massages in the first location, but now we've expanded in our Soho location to adding facials and infrared heat sauna. Um, and so we have services that you, think about you need to get like weekly, like a weekly manicure, right? Um, or you get 
bi-monthly, which is a facial. So we added memberships. Membership allows you to not really think about it. Just be like, this is part of my self-care routine. I know I'm getting bills for this every month. I have to use it no matter what. So for us, it was really important to create that kind of environment that allowed people to remember, hey, I have to prioritize myself. So it's not just about creating an experience that, you know, tourists can come in and out and kind of leave. It's it's really about creating um, an environment that, you know, helps a community of New Yorkers prioritize their well-being. Um, And we've had members, you know, for five plus years. So that's kind of what I was visualizing was just having like a third space. You know, you have your home, your office, or wherever you kind of work from is like the other place that you spend so much time in. And then you know, ideally chill house is one of those third spaces that you spend a lot of time in. One of the things that I thought was so interesting is how you approach your memberships and like even, you know, the chill club and all of those pieces. We have so many founders who are like, do I do subscription? Do I do membership? How do I keep people engaged and involved? And can you talk a little bit about what you found, what learnings and why that's such a core piece of the business? Yeah. Um, I would say membership maybe doesn't have to be for everyone. You know, we, we've tried it. We try it even with like our, our, um, products, you can like subscribe to get monthly or bi-monthly chill tips. Um, and you know, it does fine. It's not, I wouldn't say it's like the core business. I think people are more consumer behavior is very different, but when it, like now I feel like than it was maybe a few years ago, but I think from a physical space standpoint, I think it's so important to have that layer of community that's not just like, like I said, you know, popping in every now and then when they're in town or, you know, uh, just hoping that your neighbor somehow visits you every week. We're not necessarily your like corner, like salon. We're definitely an experience. So for us, it was important to have a membership that, again, kind of just reminded them to to take care of themselves. And what else can we do for them that gets them excited to engage with the brand a little bit more and, and come in, you know, outside of their services. So and this was something that we did from pretty much the beginning. And then during COVID, we had to let it go just because we weren't doing in-person events for a little while. But now we're bringing back is this like, uh, monthly series called Matcha Mornings, where we host panels and we invite our members to come join and they get free matcha. And, you know, we're, we're trying to bring back membership perks and, you know, partnering with other brands to give our members something fun and special, you know, in the month of January or February, whatever, for whatever occasion or whatever holiday or reason or promo that they're trying to initiate. It's fun for us to kind of, you know, just being able to bring something else to the table other than our services, which our services, the value is there intrinsically, but like being able to add, provide even more value because, you know, it's important to us. The people that show up to us every month are very important to us. That's a huge deal. You know, that's someone that is committed to, you know, showing up in your space and engaging with your company, like your business. It's, you should treat them, you know, with an extra layer of respect. Right. So I think if you're as a brand builder, if you're trying to get people to come back for a specific product or service that you think is important for them to incorporate into their life on a more frequent basis, then it's 100% worth thinking outside the box when it comes to community building like that. If, it, if it's not a product that 
or service that requires a frequency, then maybe it's not the priority. Maybe the priority is new customer acquisition more, you know, that is the priority. But I always think it's important to think about a direct small community to engage no matter what, you know, even if you're trying to do innovation, right? How do you get the customer that maybe just buy something from you once excited about the next launch that you're doing a year from now, right? And who are those people? Like I know a lot of really interesting startups right now are trying to kind of crack that code when it comes to community building. Like there's something called TYB by Ty Haney um, that we're considering joining. Some really great brands are seeing some success on there. Um, There's Geneva, which is like a Slack, but for, you know, your customers or your brand ambassadors. So there are platforms out there that help brands create you know, just like really tight circles of people that are excited about your brand. And I think it's important to kind of stay up on what those are and like, you know, asking like other people like how they're doing and and just kind of seeing what works for you. And for us, we're still kind of figuring that out a little bit. But the physical part, I think is really important. Like the club chill, I think will always continue to be important to us because we're a New York brand. And like we, we, the physical aspect to us is like, super important. I love everything that you're saying because there's so many pieces to it. Like people are, and brands are like, we need community, but then they lose the heart of the community and that the customers are the MVPs. And how do you create these engaging experiences and everything about chill house from the colors to the branding, to the vibe, to the feel like it is different from a traditional spa experience. It makes you feel like, you're part of something greater than, oh, I'm just going to pop in here or I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to get. Like the peace and the feeling that you get from being part of it is really special. And and I think it's interesting. You know, we've built our community um, on a platform called Top Fan. And so much of it is like, how do we create the virtual space because people are busy and we want to connect outside. But then I love the physical nature of being able to come together to touch, to feel, and to have the true heart. And so I think that as brand builders, we have to figure out, you know, what are the different touch points? And I think for you guys, another piece of this is Target, which congratulations. I love seeing the videos. I love the videos on the side and everyone's shopping at Target. Thank you for, thank you for noticing. I, I love our Target content so much. It's so fun. And it allows us to be ridiculous. I feel like we're never that ridiculous. And it just, yeah, it's, it's so fun. It's great. I, it just makes you happy. And I'm like, I can't wait to go to Target and shop. For Chill House. So how, what was that evolution like? So you, you have, because 2017, I mean, you've been around and, and like you said, there was a difference from COVID. You've come out on the other side, you're going bigger, you're launching new products. What was that decision to partner with Target? Yeah. So, um, it's a really funny story, actually. I don't really know how we ended up on Target's radar, but they did come to us. You know, we were kind of early on the press on game. I'd say there were definitely a couple of other brands that have been around maybe a year or two longer than us as far as like the newer brands, right? There's like the heritage brands that have been around for a long time. And then there's like the new brigade, which we're, I think, a part of. Um, So we launched ours in end of July of 2020. Actually, our launch date was my first son's due date. 
So it was a good omen, I'd say, because it was just immediately we knew we had a home run in our hands. We had a lot of interest from wholesalers in our in our inbox. Our you know online sales were really, really strong. I'd say those first two years, our online sales were so much better than even now because now we have so much distribution that like, you know, I think uh, the first two years, a lot of it was like mostly on our, our website, which was really nice to see. But yeah, it was immediately just really well received this idea of like chill house doing nail art press-ons. And I think the thing that set us apart was the fact that, you know, we are a salon and the designs that we had and still have a lot of them were in our lookbook or are in our lookbook, or we're creating designs in our store. And then we're kind of readapting them for the the press on experience and, and so on and so forth. So that's a part of our story. And a lot of, a lot of brands can't really say that, you know? So for that reason, I think we ended up on targets radar for a Hispanic heritage month opportunity. Um, so this was in 2021 um, it was like the marketing team reached out. It wasn't even like the buyers, which was really interesting. Yeah. So we we had this opportunity through marketing at Target and um, we kind of blew it. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so the whole thing was, you know, the deal was done. Okay. We were going to end up in, you know, several or a few, a couple hundred stores, I believe, um, for this Hispanic Heritage Month end cap opportunity, which we have right going on right now. Um, you know, we're like officially a partner of theirs, but before this year, this was, you know, for us, like the biggest thing we've ever had uh, presented to us. You know, we never had, I don't know, sold more than like a hundred units or something to a retailer at that time. Like it was crazy volume in comparison to what we were used to. And we just had no idea how to go about it. And we tried our best to do it in house. And then we kind of later on found out that to work with Target, you really should be working with a broker that kind of helps you go through all of these steps, you should probably have an EDI system, you know, you should probably know how to, you know, pack out orders correctly with your uh, logistics fulfillment center. So we didn't know a lot of those things. And, you know, the team that worked at Chill House at the time, like it was a small, very small team of literally like myself, my husband, and one other girl who is still with us today. It was amazing. Um, but it was all new to us. Right. So I think, I don't know, something ended up happening where our products didn't fully make it into all of their distribution centers. They have multiple oh. distribution centers. Mm-hmm. Uh, our products, I believe only made it to one distribution center. And then the rest, I think they all made it to one. And instead of ending up in multiple, they all just ended up in one. And the whole partnership was centered around a timeline, like a very strict timeline, right? It's Hispanic Heritage Month. It's only a month. month. And you have to sell through all your inventory within that month. Otherwise, it's going to end up in clearance. And so we were like, oh, my God, this is what what do we do here? They're like, well, you have two options. You can we can put all these products basically within the locations that this distribution center is, you know, attached to, mm-hmm. and then the rest can go to dot com, or we can get the products in maybe within a couple of weeks, but then you lose like two weeks and you may end up in clearance. So we're like, we don't want that. We'll just, you know, it is what it is. We'll end up on dot com mostly. And then, you know, we'll just look sold out. <laughs> 
I love that. What well, sold out in all these other stores, which, you know, kind of was a good look, but also we knew we we're like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. We like couldn't get our acts together, I guess, in time. Or I don't know what the slip up was, but yeah. So that was like our original um, uh, situation with Target. And luckily they, we still had a good, um, we still had a good partnership with them at that time and they kept us on their radar. And then eventually they emailed us to, to send them, you know, line sheets and to pitch them newness. And yeah, we eventually um, landed a full, like a real partnership with them in 2023. So this is still our first year and we're growing next year. We'll, you'll definitely see more chill house in there. So it's been wild to see how we can go from having small distribution to now being in like a lot of stores. I can't really say how many stores we're going to be in the next time around, but it's just something that I didn't think for Chill House, obviously, you know, when I first opened it in 2017, I didn't know that that's a direction it would kind of lead us to. Um, but it's been a blessing. Like we, we care deeply about that partnership. Target is, you know, such a big fast track to success for small brands if you do it right. And if you, you have to, you have to do it right. Oh my gosh, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the transparency, the realness. I just want everybody to understand. And the key piece is like Target is a fast track for small brands for success if you do it right. And you're a testament to saying like, these are the things that we didn't know we needed, but we were able to come back and we were able to resolve that and then have great success there. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like, you know, we're talking to brands where it's either made them or it's broken the company. And there is very little in between once you can figure out how to do it right. And it takes prioritization and it takes focus. And success doesn't come from being in every single retailer and then doing it wrong and damaging your business. It's how deep can you go and how do you do it right? And so I just, I love you. I'm like, yes, from her mouth, everyone listen. And I do have a question um, because you talked about in the early days, like you had a small team and it is a different team who is running a physical spa salon experience then yep. who's doing your pick, pack, and ship? <laughs> then who's doing your marketing? How have you evolved your team? And what have some of those pieces look like? It's a great question. They do feel like separate teams, but they work really tightly with each other. So we try to have a lot of visibility across departments as much as possible. We try to weave them all in, in many different ways that provides benefits on both sides, I'd say. So I think just to give you a little bit of like, broad sort of overview as to who our team is, we're still very small. Um, We have like about three people on the marketing and partnership side. We have about three people right now on the product side and supply chain. Um, And then the store team, you know, we have everyone's an employee. So we have like around 40 something employees. And then we have a general manager and then we have team leads and the team leads um, are responsible for sort of, you know, making sure that their departments are operating smoothly. So yeah, it's, it's all, you know, the ship's running smoothly, I'd say it's, <laughs> it's sailing, you know, obviously some you know, uncharted waters here and there, of course, but everyone has a very specific role 
and they know their role really well. And then at the same time, they're able to collaborate really nicely too. So for example, partnerships, you know, we have something going on with Clueless. This is like through the Paramount. Yeah, I love this. Yes, so, I love it. I love your Clueless. It is I'm wearing so the great. Nails right now. Oh. I'll send you some. I'll send you this collection and whatever else you want. You let me know. Um, but yeah, so for example, to us, how do we kind of bring in the whole experience? Well, you know, we have a product collab obviously happening that could probably just live digitally and within you know, retailers, but that's not fun, right? So how do we bring in our members? How do we um, involve the rest of the team, the store team? And so we did a fun little viewing party, Clueless viewing party at the store and invited our members to come in our like New York community, Um, things like that. So, you know, just keeps it really interesting and gets people excited about whatever else that may be happening, you know, on the product side. We also want our New York community to experience our newness. So all of our body products that were launched this year have been incorporated into our services in some capacity. We created an entire new facial service, which is our back facial (laughs) centered around all of our body products, because we want people to see that you can actually get a beautiful sparkling glowy back if you just used all of these, you know, glorious new products. So we love to use the flagship too as a way to of course, you know, enhance the product discovery. Why wouldn't we, right? It's it's there. Yes. They're using other products anyway. Why wouldn't we substitute them with our products? So that's also something that we see um like the flagship experience evolving over time eventually maybe it's every product that we use is a chill house product, right? It wouldn't that be so awesome. Um, but in between those moments, we're able to do fun collaborations. We partner with other skincare brands to do our facial services because we don't have a ton of facial products yet. And I think, you know, marketing, all of that obviously oversees both sides of things and, and product um, loves to go in and like merchandise and, and kind of <laughs> product knowledge for the, front desk associates and all, you know, the whole team. So there's a lot of intermingling, I'd say, within the different teams. Um, and it keeps things really fun and interesting. Well, and, and credit to you too, for seeing the big picture of it all. You know, I think that's such the fun part of being the founder. It's like, you're the visionary and you have these experts in these different categories, but it's really a testament to your leadership. And to your point, why wouldn't you? You've built this beautiful spa experience. Let's use our products. Let's use our marketing to really amplify everything that we're doing. And it's such, it's just so smart. Cindy, you are so smart. (laughs) There's a lot of expectation and (laughs) we have to get to it. (laughs) Like we've got to do it. Well, it sounds like there are so many amazing things on the horizon. I am just thrilled for you, the success, the growth, the baby. Um, It's really, it's just fantastic. And I have two last questions. One is, We have been talking a lot about defining moments and throughout our journeys, there's so many different moments that change our direction, our perspective, or just help us along. So what has been your defining moment? My defining moment. I feel like I've had so many. I'm trying to think of things, moments that have made me cry because they've really changed my mentality. I think I went into launching chill house with a very small mentality. It was very local business space. 
We raised a very small round of money, a lot, of course, relative to, you know, maybe other small businesses, but small considering what we did with it. We did a lot with it. And I didn't think it could grow to be this, or I didn't think it would be the majority of our sales one day would be products, right? Versus a store. So it's really interesting to get, you know, have some of these defining moments, like really change your perspective and, and, and realize, you know, how far you've come. However, okay. So the question, I'm getting a little off topic here. <laughs> You're fine. I love it. I think we'll, we'll talk about Chill House mostly because I feel like those were the ones that come to mind the most. One of the first things that I think made me cry, <laughs> which I'll call <laughs> a defining moment, was we had our first big brand event at Chill House in 2017. It was probably like a month or two after we launched and it was with Nike. And it was the first time we really saw the space fill up with, you know, our community and their community. And I think my husband and I just went to lunch afterwards. It was like a morning event. And I just started crying. I'm like, what did we create? Like, I just didn't think it would have this much of an impact on the industry, you know, and brands like Nike would want to align with us to create special experiences for New Yorkers. And that to me was a huge defining moment was realizing that my small brand could be, you know, aligned with a big brand such as Nike. I just remember that vividly, like being super, super emotional about that moment. Um, another defining moment, it was not, not too long after that was, um, you know, I think I manifested my, my dream, um, advisor, which was, Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I'd followed her career way before I even launched chill house. I was a fan of nasty gal in my twenties. And so it was crazy when she ended up in my inbox one day and I didn't even know that she followed me or had any idea who I was, but she ended up reaching out and asking if she could become an advisor to the company. And of course I said, yes, I flew out to LA I met her and she became our first advisor. And we became as a result of that, the first company she ever angel invested in and was an advisor to. So I'm like, wow. Like that was also like an emotional moment for me. And you know, it's just, it's crazy to be like one, you know, 10 years ago when I had no direction in life, I had this person whose career I admired so much to then somehow weirdly aligning the brand in a way that caught her attention. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really interesting defining moment for me. And, you know, and then the, the third one I'll say, even though Target's definitely on that list in some capacity too, but I feel like the first two, three years of Chill House were just so like crazy in, in their own ways that those are the ones that stick out to me the most, but um, was my first feature in Vogue because yeah. there's a, I like to talk about the story and I think I talked about it actually during that Nike event. It's like, what was like my fork in the road moment? I asked my husband, I'm like, I know I have a few. Can you help me find one? He's like, yes the Vogue interview. I was like, Oh yeah. So I mentioned briefly, I had this skincare product that I was involved in. I was like a co-founder in this, in this beauty brand. Um, at some point, like (laughs) years ago, like crazy, like a lifetime ago, it feels like, um, 
And, you know, I was, I was pretty serious about it. You know, it, it wasn't what chill house is, but it was small and it was mine. And I wanted to, to take it to great lengths, whatever. But I also had no money at the time. I was like, I need to get a job or I need a part-time something. And so my former boss, she was like, I have a friend who works in the marketing team at Vogue. Would you want to go in for an interview? They're really interested in you. And so I spoke to him a couple of times, I think via email or on the phone. And we talked about the, the role and et cetera, et cetera. I was like, okay, I'll come in for an interview on this date, blah, blah, blah. And so I like get ready for my interview. I'm on my way there. I'm I'm with my husband or he was my boyfriend at the time. And I was like, I don't know. I don't feel right about this because, you know, even though it's a freelance opportunity, it's actually full time. And I can't do full time anything other than, you know, what I have going on with Mm -hmm. this brand and, you know, all my other sort of like businesses that I'm trying to take like launch. He's like, okay, yes, you would probably have to put that on the side. So how do you feel like, do you feel like this is your opportunity to He basically asked me the question? He's like, do you want a product? Do you want to own a brand or own a product that's going to be featured in Vogue one day? Or do you want to work at Vogue? Which Mm -hmm. one is it for you? And I was like, I want to be featured in Vogue one day. And of course, you know, eventually, many, many years later, I got my feature in Vogue. But that was that defining Mm -hmm. moment for me. When I got that feature, I told the the journalist who wrote the piece, we, you know, she did a beautiful job at interviewing me at the store. It was a big moment for her. We got emotional about it because she's also Latina. And like for us to see ourselves in vogue, it's like when we were younger, we didn't feel really well represented in these like luxury magazines. And so she was really proud to feature me. And I was really, of course, proud to even be a you know, someone that she featured. And so that was a very big moment for me. And I like to share that story. This is I'm, I'm so emotional. I'm crying. I'm tearing up. Like, I love hearing your defining moments and just how it's like these small things that we manifest, but it's also the decisions that we have to make in real time that do define the future. And it goes back to how we started this. And I am super emotional. I love these stories. But it goes back to what you said in the beginning, like the people around you and your support system. And the fact that your husband was like, let's just be real, because those are the questions we don't ask ourselves. Do you want to be in the book? Or do you want to work at the book? And either answer would have been fine. But you picked the answer that was the truest to you. And then to have this full circle moment, it's just, it's phenomenal. And I, I think that there's always these moments where people come into your life. And you don't know that it's like, how important they are from Sophia Amoroso to your husband to to your team. And so thank you for sharing those. I'm I I just love them. I'm like, I love her. I love this. <laughs> those are really fun ones to share. I'm like, and all the things that have happened since then are just direct results to having made the right steps, having gone in that the right fork in the road, right? Yeah. So maybe they don't feel as defining, but they are defining in their own way. And I'll find out in two years, maybe why, you know? So, and I I figured out like later on, I was like, wow, those are the decisions you make that end up putting you in the real life course that you're meant to be in. Yeah, they they really are. And it's interesting. It's like, we don't realize it, but it's, it's the courage to move. So I, Cindy, this is phenomenal. I have one last question. You talked about community. We are about community here. So we always shout out another brand, another product. We love Chill House. 
if there's another brand or founder that you'd love to share so that we can all support them as well. would love to get your thoughts. Oh my God. If you haven't interviewed Julissa Prado yet. Um, oh gosh. Oh, yes. I love her. Yes. Yes. She yes. Yes. Good energy. Anytime I'm around her, I'm like, you're like an energizer bunny. And it makes total sense as to why you've gotten so far in your career. But it hasn't been like a an overnight success story also, which is what I love about her. Cause I feel like everything you read now, and there's always this comparison game, right? You're like, you see someone raise like millions of dollars and then they're yeah. immediately in, in Sephora and blah, 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 blah. And you can maybe do that if you're a second time, third time founder with a good pedigree potentially, right? You can, you know, the, the formula yep. fast track to success. The people to call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the stories that are grassroots and she has such a beautiful story. And so, and I think she's done an incredible job with building community too. So she's one of my favorite entrepreneurs, I'd say. That is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have so many though. Like there's so many. We'll, we'll support all of them and we'll be like, thank you, Jalusa. And then thank you, Cindy. And thank you to everyone who's, you know, like, this is the future of the industry. Like this is, this is the future. You're the future. Like these are the brands of tomorrow. And so I'm just so happy that you took your time that you've shared, um, that we get to celebrate your new little one and then all of the future endeavors at chill house. So thank you so much, Cindy. Thank you for giving me a place to speak about all of this. It was super fun. Um, and I'm glad to be back in the swing of things. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. And thanks so much to Cindy. Let's all make sure to support Rizos Curls. That's R-I-Z-O-S Curls, Jalisa Prado. So make sure to follow and find Rizos Curls. And as always, I like to leave you with one thing from today's guest. And that is, how will you think outside of the box to create something phenomenal? Cindy shared how thinking outside of the box helped her to build Chill House from not just a physical location, but D to C and retail and all the things in between. So how will you think outside of the box to build the next innovative product, service, or tool? And with that, follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode and we love to hear from you. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson. Assistant producer, Jenny Salk. Executive producer, Kendra Bracken-Ferguson. Edited by Fish Mar Creative. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. And on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a Mean Old Line Media production.